Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 728 with our review of The Magic's Mike. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. This week, uh, we're, 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 we're messing around a little bit. Uh, we, we had a, a review of the third Ant-Man film. We are here now to talk about the third Magic Mike film, but we also figured we'd do a little like rewinding and do a little retrospective of the Magic Mike trilogy and kind of hit them each. You know, we'll, we'll try to take some a small amount of time on the first two films just to get our thoughts uh, either watching or revisiting uh, those before leading into our main review of Magic Mike's Last Dance. Um, Steven, how excited are you to talk about this trio of films? Oh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I I don't know which one of us pushed for this to be what we did, but all I can say is I had not seen any Magic Mike films before last week. Last week, I also got sick, which delayed our ability to do any reviews, but it also meant I was quarantining, which means I spent my Valentine's Day alone <laughs> watching Magic Mike, and that just felt... That just felt perfect. It just felt right. You know, yeah, I, w- it, I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like the best way to watch these films. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. we, we were talking about doing it, you know, that around then. And uh, when you got sick and we weren't doing it, I didn't go back and rewatch the original films. But then, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you text me maybe Friday night. And I was like, or, I, I was like, or whatever. Or, oh, no, we had a holiday on Monday. So I was like, hey, uh, were you going to are you better now? Are you going to have a chance to get through Quantumania? And you were like, yeah, I also saw Last Dance. And I'm like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) So did you rewatch the other movies or did you just catch up with XXL? So, so this is what I did. So I rewatched on, on, yeah, because it must have been, yeah. So Sunday night, I think I watched uh, Magic Mike. Then Monday morning, no, I, I forget the timing exactly, but basically what happened is I watched at, at, in the evening, I watched Magic Mike. The next morning, I watched Magic Mike XXL. And literally, when it ended, I hopped in my car, drove to the theater, and bought the ticket from the parking lot, and then went in and grabbed yep. my seat <laughs> and like immediately nice. watched XXL and Last Dance back to back, which. Might might have been a good way to watch it. I don't know. We'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm curious. <laughs> see, I spaced them out. I did a night of Magic Mike, a night of XXL. Then, when I was finally healthy and allowed to go back to the movie theaters, I immediately booked myself Magic Mike's Last Dance, and it was a it was a good feeling. Nice. I only wish there'd been a rowdy screening. I I feel like there was a rowdy screening at Alamo. Like I thought there was a. I swear there was. But, I mean, I got rowdy. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you bought out the whole theater so you can get as rowdy as possible. <laughs> Alamo tells you no getting rowdy in the theater. But I think I see a lot of lawbreakers. <laughs> uh, good times. All right. Let's get into this, Stephen. Um, cool. We're going to, you know, the, the first two reviews of Magic Mike and Magic Mike... Uh, double XL uh, are going to be, you know, more informal. So we're not going to do the whole trailer thing. We're just going to jump into them. And then when we get to our main review, we're going to play that trailer and then launch right into our review of Magic Mike's Last Dance. But for now, Stephen, let's talk about our uh, our our history, as short as it may be, with uh, Magic Mike, the first film. Yeah, no history at all. I, I knew it existed. I knew it as the male stripper movie. I'm sure it came at a time when toxic masculinity made me be like, ooh, male stripper movie, that's some, that's like a chick flick. I'm not going to be caught dead <laughs> watching that thing and then high-fived and skateboarded off into the distance or something. Um, <laughs> it really wasn't on my radar at all. Like, XXL was kind of on my radar when it came out, only because a few people were saying, no, actually, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. But really, the whole franchise has missed me completely until we decided to do this uh do this full watch yeah i i think for me um you know kind of kind of in the same boat uh except i didn't high five anybody uh but i remember seeing the trailer for it and i just sort of was like all right 
not going to see that. <laughs> it's not exactly uh, driving me uh, my butt to be brought into the theater to watch it. Um, but then even with that first one, people were like, no, it's actually, it seems like it's just going to be like a, a rowdy stripper movie for the ladies, but it's actually like has a story and, uh, and uh, you, you should go see it. And eventually I think it was after it was available for rent maybe um that i eventually did get to see it uh, but uh yeah what did you end up thinking now in 2023 about magic mike yeah so i honestly think this is a quite good movie not great movie but it feels like a it feels like the kind of movie like this is going to be a poll, but Jockey that we saw at Sundance a few years ago, where it's like a very specific movie that is just like, I'm going to show you what it is like to be a very particular kind of person. And I'm going to follow it all the way down. And that's all I'm going to do. You know, yeah. uh, Soderbergh is basically pulling a spring break here. He's showing us like the seedy underbelly of Tampa, Florida. He's giving us a portrait of a guy who is the king of a very small, very limiting castle and within that castle Channing Tatum is charming as hell I I would argue the first Magic Mike is the most charming of the Channing Tatums uh, he is just like this effortless cool quick talker jokey guy he is a billion people I met in college where he might be a loser he might not be able to amount to much but damn in the moment does he feel like the coolest smoothest dude in the fucking room um and I feel like Channing Tatum totally carries that charm throughout the first movie. And it, it, we watch what is basically a a film into him discovering that being king of the world's narrowest castle is not all it's cracked up to be. And that hey, is I kind mean, of the way... It's a perfectly average-sized castle. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. It's a respectable castle. It's not an XXL castle. It's not a... You know, it, it, it's just right. Um, and he'll find his glass slipper, you know? Um, but it... I, I think as a drama that chooses to take on what at the time was an edgy subject matter of, you know, male strippers... I think it succeeds pretty well. There are problems with it. Um, I, I don't believe we were kind of joking before about the actress who plays the love interest feels too strong a word for this movie, but Cody Horn plays yeah. a we character. Call her sudden interest. Because... Yeah, yeah, the, because... the sudden interest. I, I don't think she is terrible on her own but i think she is given absolutely nothing to do in the movie and we just watch her flounder <laughs> as yeah. a result um when the movie tries to be about side characters it doesn't do particularly well but i thought the descent of magic mike like showing us his world giving us the first hour of learning how amazing he is in it and bringing us into that environment and then showing how it all falls apart was actually really well done. I think the use of Gabriel Iglesias is pretty inspired, honestly, in this movie. I never would have thought, um, <laughs> you know, he would ever. have a match here. Yeah. Um, Matthew McConaughey is great. He is in the Soderbergh movie that I think Steven Soderbergh wanted to make before he realized what the franchise could be <laughs> instead. Um, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, Riley Keough, I, I chuckled when I saw her. I truly think she is just like hanging out in the shittiest parties in Florida, <laughs> waiting for a film crew to be there. Like no matter what, she's going to be in the movie and she's going to kick ass. Yeah, I I, I liked it. I, I, I liked the first Magic Mike as a completely different movie than the rest of the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, like like I said already, I kind of not not avoided it, but just made zero priorities um to go see it when it was originally released and enough people were like no you should actually go see it that i that i went and saw it and i was like oh yeah this is actually pretty good like uh, this is cool i enjoy this movie and it, you know maybe it was because at the time i was uh you know i was working for a company with zero benefits not making a lot of money and 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 like those aspects of the character doing something that is not really what they want to do like all that stuff really really worked for me in that story and it felt like it was not saying a lot but it like i was like oh wow yeah it's not just this we're a bunch of strippers it is literally the story of this guy who was like this is what he does but he wants to do other things and he's trapped because of the world that he lives in and stuck doing this thing and can't really escape it and all that stuff like felt 
at the moment, I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of meat on this story that that isn't mm-hmm. just the cheeks oh, that are flapping in your face, <laughs> <laughs> um, or the other kind of meat. Um, yeah. <clears throat> watching it today, all I see is like the the flimsiness of the story, <laughs> mm. and I think that like there's a lot about this story that sort of doesn't really work for me now. I mean, <laughs> what what you have a scene where Jenny Tatum is like. I got this whole business plan figured out. I have saved $13,000. Motherfucker, that apartment you live in probably costs $13,000 a month to live in. <laughs> oh, you got to look at real estate in Florida, my friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, yeah. Well, I, I, know, I know it's a different world, but like, he has a nice pad. Like, it's like yeah. just, just the word woodwork in that apartment alone. He hasn't saved enough, basically. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't, sa- he hasn't saved enough. And like, and also, backing up, one thing that is really, really funny is before I started all the rewatches, uh, Jamie asked me about the pictures, and I just I tried to recount to her the whole plot of the first film. I completely made up the did ending. You, uh, did you uh, do it sitting down, or did you start dancing at some point? Yeah. Did you have to turn Well, I had her sit in a chair first, and I'm like, well, let me tell you about the story of Magic Mike. <laughs> um, but, like, I totally hallucinated like my memory of the ending of the film like there there is a there is a a a a party that they go to to strip at um and there is an exciting event that happens there and i hallucinated the fallout from that as being completely like i in my head what i was remembering was that magic mike brings in the kid the kid gets into this drug stuff something goes wrong at a party related to the drugs and then the fallout from that ends up crashing his sort of career because like maybe they get in trouble because let's face it if you go to a party drugged anybody and anything bad happened and then you left a bunch of drugs there there should be some bigger consequences mm-hmm. like if you fight with the people and they find a backpack full of drugs it'd be really easy for them to be like hey here's the number i called and got two strippers and they brought a fucking bag full of ten thousand dollars worth of drugs <laughs> into my like yeah. it would be really easy for like them to get arrested or something so like i just extrapolated a story that did, doesn't even happen in the actual film and like when i got right. to it i was like there's there's literally no consequences from what is actually a pretty crazy event that you went through that should have had ramifications there's like a bunch of things in the story that i kind of like the the financial some consequences but they're just financial consequences not uh, yeah yeah but they're, they're financial consequences. consequences but there's no like outside of somebody flipping over a couch and saying yo man it wasn't 100 pills <laughs> it was a whole pack which doesn't really define a number mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like it, it just felt like the, the story was very very flimsy and the fact that like the climax of the film or or the 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 final act of the film literally is a is a change that happens in the last literally two minutes of the film and the fact that this character that wants nothing to fucking do with him the entire movie because he he pays off this ten thousand dollar debt goes there's one problem baby the breakfast place doesn't open for seven hours can you think of anything we can do for seven hours like i was like no no this is not how any of this resolves this is fucking stupid <laughs> and i mm. couldn't i couldn't i don't know there, there there was so much stuff of re-watching this film that i was like and i think it's because i went in expecting this great story that drew me in the first time and what i got was like oh this is the story that drew me in the first this is a half thought out story and none of it makes sense mm. and it kind of just it it made me not look at the things that could have been cool about it and just go like oh why did i like this back then so many years ago um and that's kind of where that that first film interesting yeah i I won't argue that point because i do think this is a not light in terms of tone or emotion movie but in terms of like mental footprint this is definitely like on the lighter side of soderbergh movies but i feel like the pivot from this world is luxurious and freeing and i'm making money and doing what i want to do and getting all the girls to this world is a prison and the way we see Mike dancing in the first half versus the way we're meant to feel when Dallas is dancing toward the end. I feel like the movie does show the rise and fall. And then that ending, I see it as, yeah, this guy would jump ship 
and move on to the nearest shiny object and it would be just as flimsy and light and not well thought out as this movie so i felt like this movie was like an ode to a kind of personality and i felt like it was pretty continuous in how it tracked his personality so so i I think too the other thing that weirds me out is the the magic mike is obviously the main character of the story but the kid is so central and it focuses mm-hmm. on his sort of trajectory like magic mike so th- this is basically like great gatsby sort of situation right except for magic mike <laughs> is gatsby right and yep. like this is the kind of thing that we're watching is this person who gets sucked into this world is amazed by it the problem is the kid is a fucking skis bag and like mm-hmm. he is basically like oh you mean i can just walk up and grind on anybody i want and they'll fuck me at the end of the night this is great. I love this. This is this is like you should be my best friend. And it's really it's it's not this like yeah, let's let's all be sexy and and like hoot and holler. It's really kind of about a dude who is like you know, he 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 lost his full ride scholarship because he punched his coach because he didn't get along with him. He's sleeping on his sister's couch and he just realizes that like, "Oh, I can literally not work or apply myself. I can barely shake my hips." take off my mm. shirt and then fuck whatever girl I see in front of me. It, it, it like struck me as like a weird message to like, if that movie came out today, it'd be like, it would basically be training like high school guys to, to go try to like do bad stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it feels like that first film is trying to sell stripping as this awesome thing because you can just fuck whoever you want and not a means to, making a living the way that magic mike is trying to make it be but seems like a way for like a college kid who just wants to to get laid to get paid to fuck and Mm. that sort of weirded me out a little bit too when i was watching this film it it, it seemed less a like a celebration of the male body and more like a you can fuck whoever you want if you just like shake your hips a little bit on a stage first yeah, yeah, so yeah, and we'll we should jump to the second movie because I think the contrast is part of what's so interesting here. Yeah, I definitely think the first movie is not a celebration of the male body at all, but I also don't think it is a glamorization of the stripping lifestyle. I think the kid is a skis bag and is meant to be seen as a skis bag, and this is the story of Gatsby learning that this highfalutin lifestyle he surrounded himself with is terrible and wanting out which we'll get into the trilogy does not make good on that either so it it is interesting to think about yeah cool well yeah let's do it then let's get into uh magic mike double xl what did you think of that one steven so uh, for the first like 20 minutes of magic mike xxl i thought this was the weirdest movie I had ever seen. <laughs> um, I can hardly even explain it. Like, imagine I just described my understanding of Magic Mike, which is this is a brooding, dark drama about the seedy underbelly of Tampa, Florida, and guys who have narrowed down their dreams and think that they're in a midway point, but they're actually stuck in a thing for the rest of their life, and someone breaking free, like a good time, a Safety Brothers type movie, basically. <laughs> XXL opens with Magic Mike being like, you know, I kind of want to strip. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... All of the people who were side characters in the first movie, um, you know, there there are a lot of them. There's Tarzan, uh, right? There's <laughs> Big Dick Richie, Joe Mangianello, who I'm just going to say is like the MVP of, of this movie. Uh, <laughs> there are people who in the first movie are kind of there, but only on the sidelines. Uh, Paul, who is actually like a bad guy in the first movie. Tito, who... Not Tito. Um what is the name of Gabriel Iglesias' character? Tobias. Um, People who were bad and seedy and represented the dark side of this lifestyle in the first movie. In Magic Mike XXL, immediately, they're all best friends and they want you to be best friends with them too. (laughs) Um, Everyone is just BFFs. And I thought the logic of XXL was ridiculous, bonkers, impossible to follow of like 
we're on a tour bus and it's a retrofit frozen yogurt bus and now we're at the beach and we're flirting with girls and we are having what feels like the most alien flirty conversation with um, Amber Heard ever like nothing was clicking for me at all with this movie when I started watching it I, I was like where are we what are we doing what kind of like oh brother where art thou type quest are we on right now <laughs> um, what does this movie want to say about stripping what happened to mike what is going on and at a certain point the movie just kind of clicked for me which is that soderbergh and tatum and everyone else involved realized that what actually made the first magic mike successful was people who wanted to see male stripping and they were like huh the way we handled it in the first movie was maybe a little broy, like maybe a little problematic, right? We were focusing too much on Alex Pettifer and on the ability to get whatever girl you want and not on the target demographic, which want to see the a, a thing that Magic Mike one did very well, like a scene that I think um, Cody Horn actually does very well is when Mike is talking with her at the club She's seeing her brother dance and then he goes on stage to do the pony and she just witnesses this guy and she doesn't want to like it. She doesn't want to be turned on. She wants to be like totally removed from it, but she can't help but keep looking. This movie is just one long celebration of that feeling. Yeah. And what they decided to do is make all these people be bastions of positive, non-toxic masculinity <laughs> and go on a quest on their way to this one last dance, which XXL could have been called Last Dance because that is yeah. basically the theme of the movie. Um, it, it's literally uh, on their... <laughs> the line they say every five minutes is like, let's go, this is our last ride, this is our last dance, this is our last whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on their quest to have the big last dance in... Um, I, I forget where in South Carolina they are. Uh, yeah, the golf it's a stripper course, place, the, redneck, yeah. the Redneck Riviera, whatever. Uh, when they're on their way there, they have to do all these side quests where they individually teach. Yeah, Myrtle Beach, <laughs> where they individually teach every woman on the planet that she is a fuckable queen. <laughs> and, <laughs> and once the movie is understood as this like mythic Greek quest <laughs> to one by one be positive masculine behavior to all sorts of different women i had a blast with this for me <laughs> i think this movie is extremely fun extremely silly it has a lot of laugh out loud moments once we learn they are not on their way to myrtle beach they are on their way to these side quests and you kind of embrace what the movie is um there's a dance sequence in a gas station to I Want It That Way that ends with a smile that is just like one of the most like gratifying smiles <laughs> I've, I've seen in a while. Um, there is this whole side aspect that takes place in Savannah, Georgia, where we see the, it's almost like the John Wick of strip clubs where it's yeah. like here's the whole world it's like of the former strippers strip cabal and, <laughs> like, yeah the strip cabal where women are throwing i'm gonna say millions of single dollar bills <laughs> in, in well, the that's house the thing is they're just on the floor so you could just pick them back up and throw them again <laughs> yeah we, we see jada pinkett smith uh, we see donald glover we get access to this other world which is doing a lot of things. It is world building. It's showing this totally different past that we know nothing about. It is broadening the field of view even more to be like, hey, this is really about women and women's pleasure. And we're going to show you by having a female MC. Like the, the least Matthew McConaughey person on the planet <laughs> is running <laughs> running this place. Donald Glover's not even going to like take his pants off. It's fine. He's still a stripper. He's just going to childish Gambino into their hearts, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, he just opens the it, jacket with no shirt on a tiny bit. And then he's like, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we're, we're going to do quests to a house in Charleston where we're going to show middle-aged women divorcees that it's not too late, that they still got it, that they might be the glass slipper. <laughs> and the movie is, 
It is very silly. There are things about it that I think are not well thought out at all. Um, like I mentioned Amber Heard as the love interest. I feel like that is even more flimsy than Cody Horn in terms of painting the character and painting what relationship, if any, she has with Mike. I don't even know if they have a relationship so, or she just represents the fact that he needs to make every woman feel beautiful. And she is just one woman in, see, in his see, life. I so I disagree there in the context of the film like this is not like I'm, I'm not trying to be like no you have to like Amber Heard's character in this film but to me it's like he's at this place he sort of tries to escape a tiny bit he goes off to pee and there's just this like artsy photographer chick who's just suddenly starting to interact with him and he's like oh that's kind of weird um she seems kind of cool and then they have a little bit of interaction and then he he tries to do the like oh no I can't go to to the island because I know what's going to happen there. And then he leaves. But it's the fact that he encounters her again that is sort of like the, oh, so now it, not now here's my chance to like, it's 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 still in that mindset of not, not like, like the conquering this challenge, but it's like it's it's somebody piqued my interest, but now they're gone. There's this fleeting thought. And now there's just this second chance encounter where it's like, what are the chances she would be here? All right. Like mm. I bought their chemistry in a way that I never bought his chemistry with the first girl in the first film. Um, especially given the lifestyle that he lives, where he's like, not only does he have his pick of everybody, but the one chick that he chance encountered just now is like not even into him. They at least had chemistry in their interaction. Like the weird, the weird photography chick on the beach, I at least buy a mild interest. The sister who doesn't believe in my lifestyle was a little bit like of a stretch at the beginning that's interesting i i felt the complete opposite but it could have just been the level of sickness i was between the two movies <laughs> or something like that i i felt believable chemistry in the first movie of this is the sister who thinks she's better than me and i'm going to surprise her with my humanity and how genuine and generous and authentic i am and i like believe that rapport of him being the guy that she rolls her eyes at but secretly has a crush on whereas with amber heard i felt like they didn't even try to establish anything they just immediately jumped into the like the rapport or whatever in a way that didn't didn't really work for me but it's okay because the movie they, is not about that they, the movie they is about two things because they both had they just had it immediately <laughs> it yeah the movie is about two connection. things <laughs> Go one every woman on the planet no matter all inclusive every woman on the planet is a fuckable queen and needs to know that and two all of the dancers in this movie need to be creatively fulfilled and find a way to show their voice because their voice is the real beautiful thing that they have to give to the world i i, I got an actor wrong by the way i got um two generic looking white guys mixed up <laughs> reed carolyn was just a random side character in the first movie matt bomer is the the guy that i was thinking of who was the cd drug dealer in the first mm -hmm. movie and is the singer in in this movie um he wasn't dealing drugs though he was just doing them and letting people fuck his wife right i think he was dealing them i i think he's the one that uh riley keogh and the kid go to to get drugs at a party in the first movie yeah yeah they they well she's just going i think on. he asks if they want the angel or the demon or whatever and he's the guy providing it yeah yeah i, I guess i guess i just he wasn't he just had the drugs, but, but sure. Gabriel Iglesias is the guy who is literally yeah, trying yeah. to sell them and get people to yeah. sell for him. Yeah, of course. Anyway, this movie does a 180 with everyone. It makes no sense. It is probably the wildest pivot I've ever seen in terms of a franchise just completely redirecting what the movie is. And I think I kind of loved it. <laughs> and yeah. It, it knows that the dancing is what we want to see. It has so much of it. It is fun. We see Mike dance the pony alone at the beginning of the movie with his power tools. We see a ridiculous like 20 to 30 minute extravaganza at the end of the movie. Everything is celebratory. Everything is very silly. Everything is fun and affirming. And I, I had a great time. Yeah. So, so I think that, you know, as I already said, I d originally didn't watch the first Magic Mike because I assumed it was going to be what turns out what the second one was, and that would have been mm -hmm. much better in the first place. I like, yeah. like 
it, it loses all the stuff that I don't like about the first one. It, so first of all, Matthew McConaughey didn't want to be in the second one for sure. He was like, no, I'm too right. big for this shit, um, which is okay because he didn't need to be there. The kid, they didn't want him in the movie, but it made sense that he left <laughs> with Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey's character. So it all it all resets, right? This is Magic Mike recon your strip on. This is like a, th- a film where it's like, hey, let's just throw out everything that didn't work. Let's stop trying to make it this other story that's unrelated to just the joy of stripping and let's just get back to the basics and just be like hey let's have all the characters just be buds on this road trip movie as they go to have one last big uh strip and let's uh try to make it fun you know like one thing that i didn't talk about in the last film because i kind of wanted to bucket both these films together in is you know these are films about stripping but not none of the stripping is like they they didn't get dancers who could act they got actors and tried to get right. them to strip and with the exception of Channing Tatum everyone is horrible like mm-hmm. I've heard people talk about the choreography choreography being good in these two films it is atrocious this is the like and this isn't just like a oh I don't like men getting naked in front of me this is there is nothing I love men getting naked <laughs> I wanted nudity <laughs> <laughs> but there's nothing interesting about these acts that these guys were doing. It all felt like it felt like if if you were doing uh, like a high school play and you're like, all right, guys, in this play, we have to pretend pantomime stripping right now. And now do what you, it, it, it's like people who are awkward in their body and not like they they're all every the only thing anybody can do is is the thrust grind motion and yeah. then the end of this movie is bill and ted's excellent adventure where they're just like <laughs> all right and so crates your turn <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but but like in general though like none of the acts are any good it's all people doing what they think stripping is and all the women going like hey yeah but I, I i was not entertained by just the the sheer mechanics of doing stripping it wasn't it wasn't that exciting to me i loved the second film though because it was really just about the dudes getting together and trying to think of of what they wanted to do you know like the yada 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 over the actual learning of the new routines <laughs> which is fine because we're just really just watching a story of these dudes hanging out going to these other uh, strip joints and strip strip uh, compounds to go do their own mm-hmm. stuff and all of that was great i loved it when they get to the actual strip uh the myrtle beach stripping emporium like i really really like the idea of this this big convention where everybody's going to do these routines i don't even think there's like there's no award for best in show or anything like that it's just like the fact that everybody it's loved, celebration yeah it's the just for form. them and and all of that worked and was amazing and i was like okay this this movie was really fucking fun like there was a yeah. chance that like it wasn't gonna end soon enough for me to actually make my movie but i was enjoying it so much that i was like nah as soon as soon as i see credits i'm running out the door i need to go i need to go watch the third film but i'm gonna let this play out because it's too fucking yep. entertaining <laughs> yeah i i agree with you on the dancing side it's interesting because I, I certainly think in this movie, Channing Tatum and uh, Stephen Twitch Boss, who is the mirror of him in the final, the mirror thing one, is the one exception. I will say that. Yeah, they're that they're a, both incredible dancers. Yeah, uh, that they, is a fantastic set. I also think Joe Manganiello. I I don't believe he is a skilled dancer, but his performance, I buy that it would be beloved by the audience because of what he brings to the table. There are people I don't buy at all, like Tarzan. If I'm Tarzan, I'm pissed off at like the three days I drove so I could do my like 45 seconds on stage or whatever they they give him in the end. Um, You know, there are things that they definitely don't do well. But the thing is, and again, I am... I am a straight man. I'm not an expert here. I think what these movies are trying to hammer home, especially the second movie, is that there is more to charisma and charm and beauty and being captivated on stage than show me the sexiest thing you can do. Like the idea that your true colors, it's trolls too, right? Like your inner voice (laughs) is the beautiful thing. And, or was it Trolls 1 that had true colors? I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember either. 
yeah, they blur together. Maybe our last mega review. <laughs> um, no, no, we did the uh, the Conjuring um, series oh, also. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but anyway, there there's something where even the people whose acts were not visually impressive, there's this idea that if they are their authentic selves, the audience is going to love them. And I just find that like such a warm, celebratory thing i this is the movie that a rowdy screening would have been so much fun and i'm sure it existed at the time but i was too yeah. uh i don't know i was too much in my masculine prison to uh <laughs> to enjoy <laughs> it <laughs> yeah well so we're we're you're you were more positive on the first one i was now in modern day less positive on that one we both loved the second one yeah are you ready steven to transition on into our last dance. I'm ready. I'm ready for our last dance. All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Magic Mike's last dance and then come back and give you all what you've been waiting for. Our last r review of this trilogy. <laughs> what did you want before Miami? I just wanted to escape my life. I need you. Do you like bartending? It's not really what I do. What is it that you really do? Me. But then you came along and gave me this unexpected, magical moment that made me remember who I really was. I'm gonna put on a show at this famous theater. People are numb, disconnected. We're gonna wake them up with a wave of passion they've never felt before. Hell yeah. Without further ado, I give you the visionary artist, Magic Mind. So. The real question is, why do you love her? No one's believed in me like your mom has. What's this show about? It's the same old, will she marry for love or money? So what does she pick, love or money? The real question is, why does she feel like she has to choose? It sounds to me that she just needs to let go. And some good. Maybe that as well. You're not shutting me down, not this time. You're so good at this. I'm not gonna just let us give up on it. I want every woman that walks into this theater to feel that a woman can have whatever she wants, whenever she wants. Wait, I know you. You were a cop, right? Did you arrest her? What's your name? Kim. Let you off with a warning, right? All right, so that was the trailer for Magic Mike's Last Dance. Uh, essentially, we catch in with our, our our hero, Channing Tatum's character, Magic Mike. And, uh, you know, his business hasn't been doing so well. Uh, he is working as a bartender now. And he encounters this rich woman who uh, whisks him off to London and asks him to put on the greatest show that a woman could ever want at an old historic theater. Stephen Miller. What did you think of Magic Mike's Last Dance? So I was pumped for this movie. You know, I was... Penis pumped? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was ready. I, uh, you know, I, I pumped appropriately before the film, just so I didn't embarrass myself if I was called upon to dance on stage. Um, <laughs> I, I was still on the high from Magic Mike XXL, and I was like, this, the franchise has decided what it wants to be, and what it wants to be is ridiculous and wonderful can't wait to see what it does now that it has been validated that that ridiculous wonderful thing is in fact pleasing fans and i found this movie perplexing um to me this movie every decision they make makes sense to me if xxl hadn't happened you know they for instance you mentioned 
they decided to pick actors and show them how to dance in Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. Channing Tatum is the only of the main cast, the only really skiff, like skilled dancer that they have, yeah. which means the dance when it isn't Channing Tatum in those movies is not really that Any compelling. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in this movie, it feels like they course corrected and were like, you know what? We need the dancing to be spectacular. How are we going to find a plot device that lets us hire a bunch of real dancers and make the real dancers do the performance and just jettison all the other people <laughs> in the movie? <laughs> and that would make sense in a world where we weren't in love with the chemistry of all the guys from the second movie and we weren't looking for that kind of warm bonding positive outlook um instead they really put all their chips in on dancers it is clear they were inspired by the actual magic mike like live touring show that was created and they were like how can we capture this and make it into a movie and my problem with that is if you're going to put all your chips in the dancers, the movie had better be 80% the big performance. <laughs> if you put all you your know. chips in the Dale. Chip, yeah, chip, exactly. Chip. <laughs> if you put all your thunder down under, I want to see down under. I, I want the movie to take place in that spot. And I think this movie is probably like 25% dancing? I don't know, 20% dancing? They put a lot in on this big performance that is going to happen. They take Mike out of America, away from all his friends, except for one choppy Zoom call, um, <laughs> to this brand new place with a brand new cast of people that I have not been taught to care about <laughs> at all. Um, so we can watch him orchestrate this killer show. And when we finally get to see the show, spoilers, The Last Dance does indeed happen, uh, <laughs> despite hiccups. <laughs> it's great. The dancing is wonderful. There is a dance here, a reprise of Pony with a ballerina set in water. That is probably the best dancing in any of these three movies. Like, it, it probably. is probably. <laughs> Yeah, okay, definitely. <laughs> I, I think I think Channing is always good at dancing in all of these movies. He has yeah. this kind of like upper body strength that is very impressive when, yeah. he, when he's doing certain moves. But yeah, I mean, the dancing in that scene is incredible. And in general, when the movie decides to be a celebration of dance and the art form, it does a really good job of it. But then there's this other 75% of the movie that is drama with Selma Hayek, who is great. Like, I, I love her as a screen presence. She's someone who has a totally different energy. Unlike these, the love interests in the first and second movie are both kind of like blank slates that just can have Magic Mike's like awesomeness projected onto them. She is like pushing and fighting back and kind of making the movie her own. But there's this whole drama about her divorce, her life, what she wants to do with the play that she's putting on that did not work for me at all because the stakes of this movie do not exist. Like, I have not been taught that it is a good idea for them to put on the show. I certainly haven't been taught why it has to happen the way it is happening. There is family drama. There's a precocious daughter involved. There is a stiff upper lip butler or assistant involved where I hypothetically I liked it like those story beats I totally get the movie that I would chuckle and enjoy them but the movie doesn't care about them at all it's just like it fills time with this drama and this vague romance and this idea of putting on a show as if there were stakes involved as if there were any question that the movie is going to end with a shitload of dancing um and I just think they kind of phoned it in. I don't know. I, I didn't get the same joy. Uh, certainly not the joy I got from XXL, where it felt like they were just tapping into the essence of what they wanted. The highs of this movie are maybe the highest of any of them, if the high is defined as dancing. <laughs> um, but <laughs> otherwise, I thought this movie was kind of, kind of a mess. So I don't know. I, I feel like it was not a great end to the trilogy. It, it really felt like they... They wanted to cash in and they couldn't decide if they wanted to go all in on dancing or all in on story. And instead, they kind of split the difference and it made it less compelling than certainly XXL. But I think even the original Magic Mike was more compelling to me because that went all in on story in a way that I found consistent, even if I know you had some problems with it. 
Yeah, so I, I think, you know, you talk about course correcting, and I think that all of these films in this trilogy are doing their own thing. And they're all sort of in conversation with the films that come before that. And they can only correct or change in so many ways. And I think that, like, it, with each film that comes out, it is fixing a lot of the problems I had with the previous film, right? They're not mm -hmm. always doing it in the same direction or doing the same thing, but they are all in my, in my, uh, you know, my barometer. They are all on some level improvements over what the previous film did. It doesn't mean on the whole they achieve the same, same uh, feeling and stuff, um, but, it, but they are doing something that makes me go like, thank you, finally X happened, right? That's sort of what it's doing. I am 100% aware that this film is currently sitting at a sweet 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I had a lot of fun with this film. <laughs> mm. I, I'm I, glad. I genuinely really, really, really like this movie. <laughs> it, I'm not saying it's good, but what it does is, once again, it's all about jettisoning stuff from the story, right? Like, it's like, okay, so what are some of the problems we've had? In the, like, obviously, all right, let, let me put all my cards on the table. I'm somebody who loves, like, the step-up films, right? Mm -hmm. I, I really, really like very well choreographed, uh, especially ensemble dance stuff, which is funny sure. because every single movie that has um, uh, interpretive dance, I go, I fucking hate interpretive dance. Like, I yeah. never get it. It feels like a bunch of people acting silly never works it's one of the things that bugged me about uh what was the festival film that uh slow it was one of the things that slow mm -hmm. where i was like i get that it's a sexual thing to participate with another person but you also look like an idiot mm. <laughs> it's it's just like, I'm, I'm gonna turn you around on madeline's madeline someday <laughs> <laughs> oh man don't get me started on madeline's madeline um uh i only want to get started on channing's tatum but oh <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like this film does the thing that I wanted all along. Fucking just get people who can dance to dance. Thank you, God. <laughs> it's like, this is a show that I would, I would watch. I, I, I like the performance at the end. Another thing that's happened is it previously in the story, there's a couple things that we've had. We've had love interests that are not right for Channing Tatum at all. Either we can't understand what their chemistry is. Somebody, some fucking genius was like, hey, what if we took two people who can have chemistry with the dictionary? Just them <laughs> alone have the ability to have chemistry with anybody you put in front of them. And what if you just slam them together where they both have all the chemistry either of them needs and now there's too much chemistry, right? Like they, they, they did that to solve the problem. Like Salma Hayek doesn't need anybody specific to play off. She can, she can cause all the chemistry that needs to happen. Channing Tatum, fucking charismatic dude <laughs> who looks great, right? He can, he can hold all the weight of the chemistry and the fact that they can just play off each other in such a heavy way it just it just 100 percent works uh, for me what i really really love about uh what this film does for his the character of magic mike is magic mike has been falling for these people constantly in these stories but none of them actually approve over what he what his lifestyle is he they they will take the benefit of the lifestyle momentarily they will they will enjoy it when it happens in front of them but they also not even secretly disapprove of what his life is like and don't believe that he mm -hmm. can be like he's not the marriage material he's the one right. night stand right like that's the sort of situation that most of the people he interacts with have and all he's wanted to do is have his own business where his artistic uh, value in whatever he's trying to put his work into is appreciated by somebody and he can make a living at it. And here's somebody who finds who are actually appreciates him for just who he is and the talent that he brings to whatever it is that he's working on. Um, so there's that like that. I love that arc for him in the story. We, we have talked a little bit of on the flip flop floppy nature of the first film is about, yeah, stripping lets you fuck. This is going to be great. Mm -hmm. The second film is every woman is a queen, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But it's still also the dances are a little bit silly. And like, no matter what's happening, if, if the guy's shooting a water bottle and pretending to jizz all over all the women, they're like, yeah, yeah, take my dollars, right? That opening dance scene, the, yeah. the, the private dance is like, all right, I get 
what both of these people are getting out of this. Right. And it works, right? Like, this is the first yeah, time where I'm getting it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting it too. Oh, glad I'm in this room. <laughs> <laughs> this row alone right now um but it's like it's like for the first time i'm like all right this is sexy as fuck and it's not it's it's both sides are getting it, like it, it's it's immediately apparent what both people value over this interaction right it's not a one-sided thing it's not uh either side ogling the other it, it's like this it is it is the first dance of this film you know what i mean and it's like it's like okay now you've now you've found where this actually sits in a thing where it's like okay the way that i both people can make each other feel in this moment is clearly present and like now you're actually nailing this thing that you're trying to accomplish so when Salma Hayek says stuff like every woman should be able to feel like that you know what she felt like and it wasn't a guy mm -hmm. dressed as tarzan swinging from a rope on a six-foot stage and almost falling several times it is yeah. somebody who is in complete control of their body and the person's body who they are dancing for and is able to use the entire environment of of the room that you're in and it like it is it is not just a thing that we think of as quote sexy because somebody's half naked. It is a very sexual act that is like, damn, you know what I mean? Like it, it's a mm -hmm. thing that, that works. And I, and I think that this is the first time in all three films where like it really makes sense as opposed to being a, an idea that they're playing around in. Um, so it's like, for me, this film is firing on all these cylinders and then is the story silly? Yes, the story is silly. Are they yada yada yadaing around how he can put together this intricate of a play in a month? Yes, yes, they are. But is that final show fucking great? Yes, it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, go, go ahead. The final show is great. It's just the final show takes up so little runtime. I want the whole movie to be the final show, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that is my feeling. And I'm, I love that you love it. It gives me great joy that you had a wonderful time. I don't want to take that away from you. But what you just described, what Selma Hayek experienced, um, is the two bodies together. It is the the one-on-one, -on -one, the enchantment, the thing that makes stripping different than just dancing. You know, the thing that makes it unique is that attention. They talk about it in multiple movies, The the eye contact, the... I am with you. I am experiencing this with you. I'm bringing you there. They find a way in all the movies to have an audience surrogate on, on stage. You know, uh, Amber Heard in the second movie is brought up on the stage for that big dance. And so we not only see Channing Tatum do these amazing moves, we see her there with him and the overwhelming experience and the how it feels. And the movie... The opening of this movie does a great job of that with the one-on-one -on -one dance that they have together. I am going to say the editing is a little funny. It's basically like cutting and transitioning to the exact same shot over and over again <laughs> in a way that just felt like a little porny to me and I couldn't put my finger on why. Um, but, you know, that does really well. The show, I would argue, the show is not showcasing that joy of stripping. It is just step up. It's just dancing. I don't think there's even a moment in the whole show when an audience member is included in the affair, gets to feel unique and special, gets to be brought into that world. I feel like they lose the plot and lose the thing that makes the the stripping so enjoyable and liberating for the audience member. Unless you're going to argue that the ballerina is like an audience surrogate in that moment, but I feel like she is too I mean, it's a surrogate for one person. But, but no, right, so, yeah, yeah. so what I want to say is probably going to sound stupid. But the whole theme that they've been going with the last two films is that I, I, it's like a literally a line of dialogue from Matthew McConaughey in the first film that for those three minutes or whatever it is you're doing your routine, you are that guy she knew in college that she could have gone right. home with but didn't. You are the whatever. You are this fantasy. You are this fantasy, right? When, when Salma Hayek's show as like put on by Channing Tatum um, is going through, it is elevating it out of the stripping and becoming just the metaphor of what those people mean. Like they are literally becoming mm -hmm. the person, not 
just a naked body that you are using as a stand-in for that thing. So it's like, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> to, you know, to, to use a, a food uh, analogy, it's a deconstructed strip, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Yum. And I, and I think that like, it's what, like a lot of it is, ha- it has to be said and not just shown. Right. But it's like that it's all the character, all the stuff spoken through the magic mic <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that is, is the, 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 the taking the, the, what the male person is supposed to represent and making them the actual person that it's supposed to represent. And then they're also getting slightly less clothed, right? Like it's less about being fully porny and being just like let's actually talk about the idea of what if instead of a bunch of naked men are all these guys what if we're pretending who the guy is himself and it, it, it's like it's abstracting away from the nudity and, and going into the let's make them a full-fledged person in this context and also let's do some awesome dancing mm-hmm. yeah i i hear that i just i think it is doing a lot more talking and a lot less showing for that stuff. And that is what feels a little cringy to me when I watched this movie. Is It It felt like the second movie, you know, I, I mentioned tapping into the fact that this was an empowering movie, showing every woman she was beautiful and wonderful and deserved special attention. That movie, the reason it took me a little bit to tap into it is the movie just does it. The The movie just, it, it goes one by one by one by one of like, we're going to find the woman working the cash register and we are going to find a way to make her laugh. We are going to find the the moms at this place and we to, are going to find a way to make them feel special. To, to be um, fair, Steven, in all of those cases, they are saying, let's go do this right now or... <laughs> a woman is holding a mic saying ladies y'all my queens yeah. we're about to do this right now right it's it's yeah. it's they are also I, I guess saying all it. i'll say is jada pinkett smith <laughs> is much better at verbalizing that than the woman who is the mc in this movie in this movie it kind of felt like they decided let's have characters announce that this is about liberation and making women feel special and it just it rang a little bit more hollow to me um, and, you know, you say, like, it is a deconstructed strip, you know, it, it is about the the joy of the of the act and movement and what it means to the audience. And they are trying to elevate it. But by far, the best part of this movie is the water pony dance, which is much more of a strip. It's scantily clad. It, it, it reminds yeah. me of um, I don't know if you've ever seen Cirque du Soleil in any of your like Vegas trips before um yeah. but they're like more adult one is called zumanity and the kind of highlight of that is two women who are like swimming and dancing in a fishbowl together and this had that kind of like interesting blending of like dance and erotica in a way that i thought was so good and like that is what makes stripping special and unique and i feel like the movie just could have had more for all the amazing dancers they picked in the movie, they don't give any of the amazing dancers sexy things to do, basically. They leave that only for Channing. And I think, I don't know, I, I could have used more sexy. <laughs> In a world where <laughs> I'm assuming, because you haven't talked about it yet, you also don't care about Zadie and the butler and the family dynamic and the weird framing device of this being a narrated story that is being told to us. And yeah, I, I don't <laughs> Whatever I don't like, the hell they're trying to do with that. <laughs> I don't like her college essay or high school essay or however old she's supposed to be. Uh, must be high mm-hmm. school because he keeps covering her eyes during the stripping. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hated the voiceover and all that narrative framing. I love the butler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just the idea of like this rich woman and this guy who's been with her for like, you know, 30 years as her butler, but he's like, he has this begrudging love of her and like mm-hmm. knows what she needs. And like, just, there's a moment where he comes in for a hug, which I was like, yep, that's the yep. butler. <laughs> to me, it just all felt like too much shorthand, basically. Yeah. It, it, um, it, much like there is a subplot of the movie where there is a government official that they need to persuade to let them reopen the theater because roadblocks have been put in place by Selma Hayek's jealous husband uh, to keep the movie, the production from happening. 
and they find this woman who she is the deconstructed version of the gas station clerk you know she's the the humorless person there's no sign of how they can get to her at all she's just stone-faced she has a job where she's like seeing beautiful things and shutting them down basically how can they get to her and the way they do it is they spend, I would say, like 90 seconds showing us a kind of flash mob on <laughs> yes, a bus flash dancing and then it's over. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the whole movie kind of felt like that to me, where they just felt like we will just give you the general gist of what we're going to do and then not bother even finishing because we know you know what kind of movie this is. Yeah. And I don't know, that, those kind of accumulated into me not not being as into this movie what's funny is that one of the step up movies starts with basically that scene but on a subway and everybody thinks mm. they're terrorists <laughs> <laughs> i gotta watch the step up movies this made me realize i'm missing out they're they're so great and by so great i mean <laughs> visually a treat <laughs> mm-hmm. but are they sexy or is that the the like the niche that magic might carve that is separate uh, there is some attempt at sex. Like there are, there are some sexy pairings that can happen in the stories, but it's not meant. It's 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 not. They're not strippers. They are, they are dancers. And as they progressively uh, move on from story to story, they become uh, dance to to this dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, to to a point you talked about, like the difference between like the characters saying stuff and then doing it in the previous films and saying it and doing it in this film there is because the narrative framing is this is a play it is kind of like i accept it a little bit more because it's on purpose it's it's a little bit cheesy like they are they're literally trying to flip the script on a long-running play mm-hmm. at this historic theater so the fact that it's like they're they're more over the top cheesily saying what they want to do and saying their themes because that is the narrative they have created which is this character breaking out of her script in the sense of of the story they're trying to do so i think for me it didn't bug me um but i also wouldn't disagree that it is happening Mm. i I don't want to ruin it for you i'm happy i'm happy you had a good time all i'll say is in my screening which wasn't full it was a small theater it didn't really feel like there were multiple groups of like older women who had clearly gotten together to watch this movie after the first dance, the private dance, which is amazing. I didn't hear a lot of hoot and hollering and that just made me feel bad. That made me feel sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's definitely not a, it's not a hoot and hollery film. The characters start to hoot and holler towards the end. But I think that the problem yeah. is that the visual spectacle is so like actually jaw-droppingly good especially like in that rain sequence and stuff like that that it's like yeah. you are overriding the hoot and hollerness with like the oh wow this is this is amazing that, like that that the way that scene is choreographed is so so amazing like the 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 mm-hmm. rain is so good so good it's really good so okay the final question is are you and i gonna have to go to vegas now and watch magic mike live <laughs> Because clearly that's what we both want. Is it is is it a like a permanent fixture there, or is it like a, a touring thing that is going to be gone eventually? I assume it is a permanent fixture, but I haven't really looked into it. Um, all I know is Channing Tatum kind of came up with it and directed it, and I think it is staying in Vegas for a long period of time. Gotcha. Question is, how good is the choreography? <laughs> Only one way to find out. And is there rain? <laughs> we can make it rain. <laughs> okay, cool. Any any last thoughts before we get to verdict, Stephen? No, I think I'm ready. All right, let's do it then, Stephen. If you're going to give it a must see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? All right, I'm going to rate all of them. Uh, Magic Mike original, I'm going to recommend with a caveat. I think it is interesting. I think the world it builds is compelling. The dancing is still really good, and it has that kind of joy of discovery. Like, when the dancing is good, you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Um, XXL, I'm going must-see. I, I think XXL is a boatload of fun. It fully embraces what it wants to be. It is silly and heartwarming and just a joy to watch. Uh, Last Dance... I'm going down to wait for rental. It it didn't do it for me. 
even though I think the dancing is the best of any of the movies, it just the um, the connective tissue made it so the dancing didn't feel like I was discovering something wonderful. It was like I was on YouTube looking for the best dancer. And that is not as... <laughs> That's um, literally what they were doing. <laughs> literally what characters do, yeah. And, and, but it just isn't as fun. When you are primed for the best dancing, it isn't as joyful as when it just happens out of nowhere. Yeah. So... I, I think the whole series has something to recommend it, but I definitely think Last Dance ended on, for my money, the worst of the bunch. But still, the dancing was incredible. And at the end of the day, what more can I ask for? Yeah, if you're going to make me rate them all, then you're going to get a weird rating given the way I've talked this film up. But uh, basically, mm -hmm. for me, Magic Mike, wait for rental. Uh, Magic Mike, double XL, must see. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Magic Mike last Magic Mike's last dance is gonna be a recommend with a caveat. Um caveat is that it's fucking fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now and not everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. Um but yeah, so for for my money though, the the second film is the most fun. It's the most zany. It's exactly what you need. It's got the bros, but in the way that it, they should have been in the first film, and it's great. But for me, the third film is the mirror dance from the end of the second film, mm -hmm. but for the whole film, metaphorically speaking. So it's kind of like, to me, that mirror dance is so good that it's like a film that's going to give me that and the preparation for that and taking people who can actually do that <laughs> and filling the cast with that. That makes me enjoy it plus i like what they did with the characters and uh the way they totally changed the context of stripping and the greater world as opposed to making it a joke or a running gag it's sort of like okay i get it i get i get how this benefits both people <laughs> yep so yeah that is our review of the magic smike so yeah thank you everybody for listening time to head out of here so steven miller people want to find you this week where can they do that uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller, sdavidmiller.com. And don't forget to tip your waitresses, bartenders, and all the hardworking dancers you've been watching while listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning, facebook.com slash the spoiler warning, or instagram.com slash the spoiler warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the spoiler or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io. So hopefully you're enjoying that. Come on, just break the copyright. I got to hear Pony. <laughs> it's got to be Pony. <laughs> Yeah, if we just do the sounds, it won't trip the copyright thing, right? <laughs> I think so. I need to find like a like a weird like bluegrass version of it where like the jaw mm -hmm. harps are making the brrrm, brrrm, brrrm. <laughs> the bluegrass version is just called horse. <laughs> it's just called you want to get weird? Hoss. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, I, th I think I said all the all the things. Yeah, I think I said all things. Um, but yeah, that that that's it. That's it. Uh, this was fun. Our, our, Steven, last question of the night: We doing cocaine bear next week? <laughs> I think we have to. I'm, I'll, I'll find time to squeeze it in somehow. It's got Elizabeth Banks callback, right? I know exactly. It has to tie in. She's just in all of the fun universes. She's in the Pitch Perfect universe. She's in the Magic Mike universe. Now she's in the Cocaine Bear universe. All right, let's do it. Cocaine Bear, you heard it. You heard it here. And I heard it here. I mean, this will probably come out before we record the next episode. We'll see. Um, but yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And we will see you for our review of Cocaine Bear soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>